You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Another world, another time, in the age of wonder. There was once a dream, you could only whisper it. Anything more than a whisper, and it would vanish. A battle between good and evil. You don't know the power of the dark side. Where shall I find a new adversary so close to my own level? Try the local sewer. You know of the rebellion against the Empire? The Avengers, Earth's mightiest heroes. Peace means having a bigger stick than the other guy. One of these days, I'm going to have a stick of my own. I'm Groot. Welcome to the Neverland Podcast. The podcast for lovers of Disney, Pixar, Marvel, and Star Wars. I'm glad you're here to tell us these things. Please welcome your host, Jeremy. I thought he'd be taller. Yeah, I can find him. All it takes is faith and trust. Well, if it isn't the Star Spangled Man with a plan, what is your plan today? Up to Neverland! <laughs> Take your pixie out of your pockets, Neverlanders. Sprinkle some of that pixie dust around. Think up your happiest thought and let's fly away to Neverland. But this week, I'm going solo. Well, (laughs) I can't say it's a Star Wars reference. (laughs) I wish I could. I'm actually on my own this week. Eric is in Disneyland having a great time celebrating with his wife. It is her birthday, so happy birthday to Mrs. Lost Boy Eric. And I had some fun this weekend as well. I went to Marceline because they have just recently opened up. And not just for the season this time, they're going to be open 24-7 at the Walt Disney Hometown Museum. And they kicked it off with having a special speaker come in. And I'm going to tell you all about that. That was Ken Facey, Walt Disney World Ambassador, who is actually nearing the end of his time to be a Walt Disney World Ambassador. I had a great time. I'm going to tell you all about that later. We're going to hear some interesting news stories. We'll take a ride on something. We'll hear a story something. In fact, when we take a ride, we're actually going to attend a show. And that will be our main content, the Jedi Academy. And there's a special reason for me to do that because, well, let me go ahead and tell you a story now. Eric and I were talking last week about the Saber Guild, which it was, what, saberguild.org. Make sure you look that up, Google it. Go to their main website, find a local temple in your area. I mean, this is officially licensed, authorized, learning to fight with lightsabers. This week, I had my first, well, two lessons, because I went to, there was a Tuesday night and a Thursday night. From here on, I'll probably only be going on Thursday nights, because the location is a little closer to where I live. But I have been now going and learning the choreography of a lightsaber duel. Uh, Some basic steps. This is not going to be sparring. I'm not learning this as a way like, ah, if I had a stick, I could use it like a lightsaber. No, this is performance. This is learning how to, you know, do some basic things to where eventually you develop into a theatrical thing and they do performances at conventions or, you know, we have Star Wars Day at our local baseball stadium for the Royals. You know, stuff like that. You could do a performance. I have to work on getting a costume and creating my own saber, which I think because we're, we're a few Sith short, and Heather says, I make a very good bad guy, because usually us nice, happy, jovial people, you get us, give us a chance to switch around and play a villain, we can be downright scary. At least that's what my wife says. She says I'm scary when I've you know, done some theater stuff and I've played kind of the bad guy. I have scary mode that kicks in. So I think I'm going to first make a red saber and I'll develop maybe a black costume of some sort. There are rules for how the costume must look uh, because they're, you know, this, it's very much, it's Lucasfilm. 
Uh, but let me tell you a little bit about some things that I've learned that I thought you might find interesting. Uh, there is this nine-point uh, system that they taught us, and that is you know, having nine striking points that you will attack or defend. And those are, of course, your basics. You're going to get more fancy and some flourishes, and there's even something they know as the Anakin block, which is very movie-relevant of uh, this kind of behind-the-back block he did uh, in, in, in the prequels. But uh, this is like the right shoulder and left shoulder, the knees, the midsection, uh, the, well, we'll just call it the groin, and the head, and then, of course, a thrust for the heart. Uh, those are our, our basic areas of where we strike, and a lot of this has been practicing to do sort of a around-the-head maneuvering, and I'm gesturing with my hands <laughs> as if doing this, uh, like you could see that. And you're getting yourself to where you're trying to not swing it so much like a baseball bat, which is sort of the, the instinct you end up doing, but learning how to get your hands to work in tandem to pivot your lightsaber around to uh, make your strikes. And then on the, the second day, I started working more on being able to walk forward and take steps as each strike so I could actually move around in combat, you know, quote-unquote combat as choreographed. Uh, and I even worked with uh, our head guy, Noah, he would give me a sequence of numbers of the strike points and to have me attack those numbers in that sequence or block those to try to get me in the idea when you choreograph, you're going to have, you know, you're not going to always follow the sequence that you practice in. You're going to follow a sequence of how we choreograph. So you might go four, four, two, four, one. You know, you might mix up where your actual strikes are going. So you've got to learn to be able to move, maneuver from where your saber is to the next position properly and and safely as well because you got to make sure the person who's blocking will be able to know that you're coming there and they know that, hey, I'm, I'm supposed to be blocking this position. So you want to make sure you're attacking the position you've agreed upon so they're blocking that because these are pretty hard plastic and uh, you can whack somebody pretty good. And uh, they have told some stories where uh, a guy actually got whacked in the head or a girl got whacked in the head. Somebody got whacked in the head and uh, bruised them up and they swelled up pretty bad because, you know, we, we go, when we're doing this performance, we're going to go full speed to make it look good. Uh, so that's the Saber Guild. And like I said, go to their website, find out if your city has a group or somewhere nearby and join it. Because if you really would like to maybe get into some cosplay or just learn how to do some lightsaber, you might be interested in performing. Uh, it's, it's a heck of a lot of fun. It's actually a pretty good exercise because I tell you what, my arms are getting a workout swinging that lightsaber around. So it's been a lot of fun. And that's only one of the fun things that I've done this week. I'm the guy they call Little Mickey Mouse Not a sweetie down in the chicken house Neither fat nor skinny, she's the horses Winnie is my little Minnie Mouse When it's feeding time for the animals And they howl and growl like the cannibals I just turn my heel to the hen house deal And you'll hear me sing this song Oh, the old tom cat with his meow, meow Old hound dog with his bow, wow, wow The crows and the mules Gosh, what a racket like
little Mickey Mouse. Not a sweetie down in the chicken house. Neither fat nor skinny, she's the horse's Winnie is my little Minnie Mouse. When it's feeding time for the animals, and they howl and growl like the cannibals, I just turn my heel to the hen house deal, and you'll hear me sing this song. Oh, the old tomcat with his meow, meow. Old hound dog with his bow, wow, wow. The crow and the mule. Gosh, what a racket like an old bus saw. I have listened to the cuckoo, his cuckoo, and I've heard the rooster's cock a doo doo doo. With the cows and the chickens, they all sound like the dickens when I hear my little All right, so this weekend, as I had mentioned at the beginning of the show, was pretty much opening weekend for the Walt Disney Hometown Museum up in Marceline, Missouri. And I, you know, I've gone up there many times. You've heard me talk about going to Toon Fest. And this year was special because they're opening year round. They're not going to just be seasonal anymore. They're going to stay open year round. Uh, it's a bold new direction for them. And I got a chance to go and look at the museum. I, I haven't gotten to experience everything that's new. Because in certain areas of the museum, there were a lot of people, there was a lot of noise, because we were having kind of an after party after we heard Ken Facey give his presentation. But they have these new uh, story areas, and they basically had like a video screen, and they've been filming videos with uh, Kay Mallins and Inez Johnson, and even Peter Whitehead in one. And he's been really getting behind this. Uh, I think part of it is that, you know, Kay Mallins and Inez Johnson, they're people who actually knew Walt Disney and the times that he came back into Marceline uh, for the school dedication and the swimming pool. Walt stayed over at their house when Kay was a little girl and uh, over at Inez and her husband's home. And so it was really cool. You know, he's gotten a chance to talk to them, sit down on camera and be able to share their stories to make sure these stories are not lost and they can always be told in the museum 10, 20 years from now when maybe they're not going to be able to tell these stories. Who knows? So it's very nice he's capturing this. And I even, while I was there, he was talking to another lady who was a child when Walt had came there for the premiere of the great train robbery that he actually premiered there in Marceline. And they showed it for 24 hours there in the theater in Marceline. And Walt came down there, of course, to dedicate that. The children from the school came out to sing the Mickey Mouse Club theme. And so he's, you know, now collecting the stories from some of the children that were there that sung the Mickey Mouse Club theme. And so he's going to collect that audio. And I heard him talk about, you know, having people able to walk around with some headphones that would talk about some of the things you're seeing. Uh, so he's really updating the technology in the museum and really stepping up and making it even more special than it already was. But we had uh, an event. They have a speaker series there, which I'm going to try to keep tabs on to let you know when special speakers are coming in. Uh, Peter said he has had a hard time sometimes getting people locked down because something happens. Uh, he's working on a guy from D23 who is supposed to be coming, and he's not sure when he's going to be able to come to town to come and do the program because D23, of course, takes precedence over coming to Marceline. So it's been complicated. But uh, I will try to let you know and keep you informed. Uh, if you go to WaltDisneyMuseum.org, you can also find out about the museum. But Ken Facey, who is a WDW ambassador, and some of you who have maybe seen my short documentary uh, saw where I interviewed him before uh, on camera, and now I got to do, talk to him a little bit there. He was giving a presentation. Now, I was not allowed to record the presentation, but I can tell you some of the things that I learned. He gave a presentation, and he's apparently done a lot of research in the Disney archives and spent a lot of time learning everything he can about Walt Disney World and some of these special things about the parks. And some of the things that I want to relate to you that I thought were interesting, and I did not know this before, the name of Disney Springs. 
the reason why it is that now and no longer downtown Disney and the idea behind the the new area. So here's the story. All right, so you're probably familiar with Elias and Flora, Walt's parents. I learned that they lived in Kansas. And Flora's family would go to Florida on trips, and there was a, even a time that Elias had went with the, her family. And, you know, they were just made for each other, apparently, it seems. And they, when they got married, they honeymooned together in Florida. And they loved it so much that for a while they actually lived there. They invited Flora's parents to come down to Florida, and they lived there and actually are buried there. So part of, part of Walt's family, Walt's grandparents, are actually there in Florida. So Disney Springs is actually built to look like a honeymoon resort type of area. In fact, the new world of Disney Store is made to look like a hotel. So the idea behind Disney Springs is an old-school style visiting location, like a tourist attraction. That's what the changes were. Now, I didn't know any of this before, so this I thought was very, very interesting. Uh, I also got a little bit more confirmation, a story I'd kind of heard vaguely, but it didn't have the full details, of the Walt's last laugh, which Ken Facey had gotten this directly from Alice Davis. And her husband, of course, Mark Davis, they're both Disney legends. He was working on the Country Bears, and it seemed the intention was to put it in the ski resort that Walt wanted to build that ultimately got turned down. Now, I had heard that Walt had seen some of the bears in Mark Davis's office, but actually, it sounds, from if I'm understanding what Ken was saying... Walt had visited their home, and they had had all these pictures spread out on the kitchen table, and Mark Davis was relating what he was had in mind for the bears, and Walt was supposed to be giving his okay to go move forward with the country bears. And Walt just laughed heartily the entire evening and just really enjoyed it and had a big laugh. And then that, of course, is where we also know the story where Walt left and said goodbye instead of see you later, like he, apparently he used to normally say. And they noted that was interesting that he said goodbye. And two weeks later, of course, he did pass away. Now, we got a little, little bit, of course, we know the story. Well, I know the story, but maybe you don't. So let me go ahead and tell this. Uh, Ken Facey did share the story, of course, where Roy was, you know, left with Walt. They were the only two in his hospital room for a short time as Walt sort of almost drew on the ceiling above him his plans for Epcot, the experimental prototype city of tomorrow. It wasn't intended to really be a park down there, the Florida Project. I mean, they wanted to do a park, yes, but Walt wanted to build this city prototype and, and see if it could change and fix some of the problems we have with the other cities. He knew he couldn't go through and fix some problems in cities that were already built. We had to build something new. And he, there's a whole video. We watched a little bit of it. Uh, you're probably familiar with that. Some of you may be completely new to some of this information, but, you know, I'm I know, in my head, I'm thinking, well, anyone listening to my show may already be like a Disney expert, you know. But let me just convey this information in case you're not. So there, you know, I think you can find the whole video on YouTube, but Walt had gone up there and made a video uh, and had somebody he had write him a script because he had a hard time sometimes putting into words what he really wanted to do with this new city he wanted to build. But he was diagramming it out for Roy. He wanted Roy to come out of retirement to build this. Uh, unfortunately, after Walt passed... Roy figured, you know, in order to really pay for any of this, we really do need to build a mirror to Disneyland. And so he worked on the Magic Kingdom Park and building Walt Disney World as we know it to open in 1971, October 1st. That's as far as he got. He didn't get a chance to build Walt's dream city. Now, I did learn something interesting about the opening of Walt Disney World. The dedication was actually October 25th. Yes, it's, you know, the park had been open a few, for a few weeks before they actually dedicated it, and Roy was supposed to go and give an address and a speech similar to what Walt did at Disneyland. 
Well, Roy was supposed to give his speech at about 1 p.m. that day, but he was nowhere to be found. He had went off to, like, around the area of the Great Wilderness Lodge, and it was standing there looking at the water. And when they realized he was gone and they found him, and they noted he was even standing the way Walt used to stand with the one hand kind of on his hip, that Walt stood that way because of his, his polo injury to his back, which is another story entirely. And Roy said that he just couldn't go through with it. He was a behind-the-scenes guy. Walt was the face of the company and could go and do these type of things and presentations, and Roy just didn't feel comfortable doing it, and he really didn't want to do it alone. And so they said, well, can we have somebody come up there with you? And uh, Roy had said something about the guy who was the chairman of the board that I forgot his name. Uh, Ken Facey had did, did say the name of the guy, but Roy said he didn't want that guy. <laughs> so what they ended up doing is Roy, when he got up to give his, his speech... Behind him steps up, and apparently this this hasn't really happened much, but Mickey Mouse, the full costume Mickey Mouse, came up there to stand next to Roy because those of us who are Disney fans know that Mickey Mouse was a little bit pretty much like Walt Disney's personality. So there was very much a similarity, and Roy acknowledged Mickey there and said, Thanks, pal. And then he was able to give his dedication with Mickey Mouse at his side as sort of a surrogate Walt. So just a lot of really neat stories that I learned yesterday. Those are, I think, the major ones that I really wanted to convey. Also, I mean, the interest of how Walt really wanted the Jungle Cruise to have live animals, but they couldn't do that. So the Kilimanjaro Safari in Animal Kingdom is really the realization of, with the live animals of what the Jungle Cruise Walt had wanted is now actually a safari attraction and animals, the Animal Kingdom, which is coming up on its 20th anniversary here in April. Uh, but that's pretty much a lot of the interesting things that I learned last night. Uh, I'm going to keep in communication with Ken Facey. Maybe sometime he'll come on the podcast, but I'm actually going to try to work with him to see because I need to intern somewhere. Uh, over the summer to complete my degree that I've been working on. And I would really like to do it, get into the college program for to work my internship. And my university doesn't necessarily work with Disney for the college program, but uh, I Ken gave me his email address, so I'm going to email some information and see if we can get something arranged where I can do the college program for my internship over the summer. So, you know, fingers crossed, whatever you want to call it, uh, I'm going to work on this. We'll see if I can make that happen or Ken can help me make that happen, you know, that kind of thing. We'll just see how this plays out. That would be very, very fun, very interesting to spend a couple of months there about working as a cast member doing my internship. So this would be very, very cool. But uh, yeah, I'll keep you posted on how that goes. Remember me, though I have to say goodbye. Remember me. Don't let it make you cry For even if I'm far away I hold you in my heart I sing a secret song to you Each night we are apart Remember me Though I have to travel far Remember me Each time you hear a sad guitar Know that I'm with you the only way that I can be Until you're in my arms again
spanning the Disney and Geek universe to bring you the best in comics, toys, movies, and entertainment. This is news from around Neverland. Now, you've probably seen the Black Panther movie by now, I'm sure, right? I've seen it. It's a good movie. But this is what's... I, I'm really enjoying this. This is very, very cool. So, I don't really want to spoil the ending of the movie, but those of you who have seen it will understand this. The Walt Disney Company is donating a million dollars to the Boys and Girls Clubs of America to expand their STEM programs, which this this is science, technology, engineering, and math programs. And this is going to uh, set up a STEM center of innovation established in Oakland, California. This is giving kids an opportunity to dive into uh, the areas of science, technology, engineering, and math uh, with a, uh, an existing national curriculum. And this, uh, this even, I believe Disney, even in Epcot, with part of STEM, has got a little science program they've started doing that uh, I w we talked about, I guess it's been months ago. But this is going to get more youth in that area to be able to expand their passions and look into careers in this if they happen to enjoy this sort of thing. Uh, this is going to have like hands-on interactive programs, uh, critical thinking, all kinds of different stuff. So this is really cool. This is reaching back into maybe a rougher neighborhood out there in Oakland. This is the beginning. I would like to see some of these STEM centers open in some other cities. But this is really cool. This is reaching out into that same area like we see T'Challa do and bringing more people in in emerging technologies, which is a great career path if if you're interested in that. I, I, I hope people don't go in there and feel like they have to do that because it may not be your passion. But kids that are passionate about this, oh, that's, that's such a great thing to give them an opportunity to learn and study and and set up a career path. So this is a very, very cool. And it's like the ending of Black Panther. It's coming true. Disney has been offering some more healthy alternatives to a lot of their foods inside of the Disney parks. And now with a collaboration from McDonald's, they're aiming to up the nutrition in a Happy Meal as well. With a very interesting deal that McDonald's and Disney have just reached. So Disney's going to now, of course, collaborate to add a little bit more fun to the family meal time and Happy Meal. And help with some of the nutrition standards. Uh, I don't know if this means maybe... Um, like gluten-free meals, because, you know, at Disney parks, they're big on being health gluten-free for those that, that need that. Uh, so this should be interesting to see how that goes uh, and affects to the menu for the on the Happy Meals and more, you know, fun alternatives. And this also means that for, like, the upcoming Incredibles 2 and Wreck-It Ralph 2, where Ralph breaks the internet, you're going to find some toys now in the Happy Meals with this new arrangement. You know, I guess... This is really beneficial for everybody because I, you know, even though I'm not going to buy a Happy Meal, I might go in and buy the toys individually. I have done that before. Uh, but basically, this means that anything from Walt Disney Animation Studios, the Pixar Animation Studios, Disney Live Action, Marvel Studios, and Lucasfilm all potentially have some promotional toys that can get made and put into a McDonald's Happy Meal along with this uh, more improved nutrition. So this is, you know, kind of fun and exciting, uh, especially if you have a family. You know, you can go into the McDonald's together and go and see what kind of fun things you can get in a Happy Meal. Uh, but Or if you're just somebody like me, I don't have any children, but I'm kind of a big kid. I'll go in and I'll buy the toy. <laughs> Some casting news for the upcoming Marvel film of Captain Marvel. They have just cast Gemma Chan as Kree villain Min Irva. Now, I am not familiar with some of these characters, so let me go and tell you what they've got here on SuperheroHype.com. 
Uh, but this is a Cree spy and geneticist, Min-Irva, and she's going to take a human alias as Dr. Minerva and infiltrate humanity to be a bit of a, a spy, I would figure. And uh, she's got similar powers, actually, to Carol Danvers, who is, of course, Captain Marvel. And so this should be an interesting, a pretty good matchup. Uh, she was, of course, joining the cast of Brie Larson, who's playing, of course, Carol Danvers. Samuel L. Jackson is going to be a younger and two-eyed Nick Fury. DeWanda Wise from She's Gotta Have It. Ben Mendelsohn, you'll, you're going to know him from Rogue One and Ready Player One. And also Jude Law has been cast into the film. Uh, and this is considered a period piece because it's taking place in the early 1990s. And the primary villains are actually going to be the Scrolls. That's right, the shape-changing aliens that are typically villains for the Fantastic Four. So this, if, if they're bringing in the Scrolls, now Fox never did this with the Fantastic Four, having Scrolls in there. They never really seem to get that far. But once you've introduced scrolls into the mix, I see potential to bring in the Fantastic Four. Am I right? This seems to make sense to me. So I'm hoping that this will, you know, maybe get the ball rolling. We'll get to see a good Fantastic Four movie eventually because of the scrolls involvement here. But, you know, that's a kind of a pipe dream. All right, here's something that I'm kind of excited about, but you know, also a little apprehensive because I don't know what's going to happen with this. But, you know, Dan Slott being away from Spider-Man, I consider to be a good thing. I have not enjoyed him as a writer and some of the things he's done with Spider-Man. But, and we've been talking about this, Eric and I, about uh, there's a new head guy over there in Marvel, and I forgot his name. <laughs> because uh, Eric is good at remembering these type of things with these names, and I am not so great at it. But uh, here in July, Marvel's going to relaunch Amazing Spider-Man number one. And this is going to have writer Nick Spencer, who's known for Secret Empire. Yes, unfortunately, the guy who turned Captain America into a Nazi member of HYDRA. And artist Ryan Otley, who has worked previously on Invincible, which I'm not familiar with that book so much. Uh, inker Cliff Rathborn and colorist Laura Martin are also going to be on there. And this is coming after what they're calling it a historic 10-year run here for Dan Slott at comicbook.com. Now, something I'm seeing that's very, very interesting... I see Electro on here on, uh, it looks like it would probably land on the back cover, but it's a woman. So it looks like we got a new Electro. I don't know what's happened to Max Dillon. I, I don't see anybody that, you know, makes me think, you know, I don't know if he's been killed off. Dan Slott did something crazy with him. Uh, I do see Scorpion on the cover. The last I had seen of Matt Gargan, he had become Venom, but the Venom symbiote has been bouncing around to various different people. They've got him, the, the symbiote's got its own book now and having various types of adventures, apparently, that I haven't been reading. Uh, so I don't know what the state of things in Spider-Man are. Uh, there's a lot of new characters been introduced. I'm really just hoping they, they put him back with Mary Jane. That's... I, that's the way I grew up with it. I liked it better that way. I really enjoyed it. And here at Planet Comic Con, I even bought a collection of some of the J. Michael Straczynski uh, storylines, which I already had collected most of those comics, but I was missing some issues from The Other, which is a storyline that crossed all the other books. I didn't have all those, and so I did buy a, a collection set of all of that. Also, I got a collection of all of Mark Miller's first-run issues of the Marvel Knights Spider-Man. And it's been so good for me reading some really good Spider-Man stories uh, from a very long time ago at this point. Uh, I've really enjoyed going back and reading, you know, Spidey, where I was enjoying the stories and some of the things that J. Michael Straczynski did with the character. 
Uh, so it's been very, very, very fun for me. So, yeah, I'm going to check this out, I think. I, I'm curious about it. Uh, so this will be something I'm going to put on my pull list here, along with that anniversary of Superman that's coming up very, very soon. So, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm apprehensive. I don't know what to expect. But I am interested to see, you know, where the new writers are going and if they get Spider-Man back to where I think he should be, or at least where I like him to be. You know, that's just my fan service fanboy going off, but... I just I haven't enjoyed the, the Spider-Man comics in a long time, and I really would like to be able to come back to it. So uh, I'm I'm hopeful that this is going to be good. You probably remember we've talked about it. I guess it's been a little while, but there was talk about a Rocketeer sequel with a female lead. Well, I've got some new information about that, and it's not the sequel we were expecting. It's actually an animated television series for young kids. It's going to actually be on Disney Junior. Uh, this is going to be still inspired by the Dave Stevens comic book series. And this is going to follow Kit, who is this little young girl, who's going to get a, re- a surprise package on her birthday, which basically shows that she's next in line to become the Rocketeer. And, of course, the Rocketeer, if you never saw it, is about basically this rocket pack that you wear, and it's basically you know, wearing a jetpack, and you're a hero because you can fly with a jetpack. So it worked, I think, a little better uh, in the setting of the film when you had Cliff Secord and it was uh, prior to World War II. You didn't have a lot of jet engines going around. I don't know what time frame this is set in. I, I don't see anything where it's mentioning this, but I, I would think you would have to do it somewhere in the past where, you know, because jet engines are pretty common now. You know, one person, though, wearing a pack would be a different thing, but uh, it'd be interesting how they take this, but it doesn't have to be that serious or make a whole lot of sense because you know, like I said, this is for Disney Junior, so it's not quite what we expected, and uh, little kids aren't going to really be that worried about it. It's aimed for kids about seven and younger. Here's another good follow-up story. We talked months ago about Disney acquiring, acquiring the full rights to Disneyland Paris. What I have learned, you know, at that time is a lot of the parks on foreign soils, they have other companies that are pretty much in charge of the parks. They let them handle it. Disney kind of helps them with licensing and building similar rides that might be what here in the States we have. Uh, And so a lot of times they're not really that involved with some foreign parks. Well, they got involved in Disneyland Paris. They bought out everything. And so now it is under complete and full Disney control. And we said this is most likely going to result in Disney coming in and sprucing that park up and making some changes. Well, there's a multi-year development that's going to start out. The the phases are going to roll out in 2021. Uh, and they're going to expand the size of the, the Disney Studios park over there. Uh, they're going to have a reimagining of the Rock and Roller Coaster starring Aerosmith. Maybe they'll have a different band other than Aerosmith. Uh, There's also going to be part of a 25th anniversary celebration that is coming up there in Paris. Uh, But there's a lot of expansions. There's going to be at least three new areas based on Marvel, Frozen, and Star Wars with some new attractions and some new live entertainment. Uh, There is an image on the Disney Parks blog that shows Iron Man. So maybe this would show that we're, you know, you know that Iron Man ride they were building uh, I believe in the Tokyo Park they were building this this uh, Iron Man ride. I have a feeling that that's going to be also going into Paris as well. So a lot of changes are coming, and like I said, rolling out in 2021. It might be a good excuse to go visit Paris. Uh, well, I, give them another five years, right? <laughs> and then try to plan a trip to Disneyland Paris to see all these new acquisitions or new territories, new areas opening up. Mama, another gator got in the house. Another gator? 
Give me that shovel. Come here. Get him all. Get that guy. The Neverland trailer park. I have just seen a trailer for Wreck-It Ralph 2. That's right. Ralph Breaks the Internet has a trailer. The move is com- movie is coming out actually in November, uh, but I'm still very, very excited about this. Uh, of course, we've got Incredibles 2 to keep us posted and keep us waiting uh, a little bit here. You know, that's coming in June. So you know, we've got plenty of stuff to wait on. But, you know, Wreck-It Ralph, I'm pretty excited about this because I did really enjoy the first film. What we're seeing in this trailer is that good old Litwack decided he wants to be able to get on the Internet. And so he set up a Wi-Fi device in the Litwack arcade. Now, he plugs it in right in the surge protector there where all these arcade games, including Wreck-It Ralph uh, himself, of course, with Fix-It Felix Jr., he's going to get plugged in right into that same thing, which gives Penelope and Ralph both access into the Wi-Fi. So they go to explore it and find themselves out onto the Internet. And so there's basically a lot of jokes that we're all going to relate to of clickbait things coming after Ralph and uh, a sad-eyed kitten that they can't stop staring at that's on eBay and all kinds of fun right there. But this this trailer was really almost a tease to showing how they're going to wind up out on the Internet. We don't know about any villain or what the story is going to be other than Ralph being out on the Internet. I have been hearing, though, that we're going to see some cameos by some Disney princesses somewhere in the course of the movie. So there's a lot of things going on with this movie we don't know, but this trailer does look like a lot of fun because Ralph is invading little portable devices and little online games that you might be playing on your phone and wrecking some things because that's what he does. But uh, this looks really, really fun. I highly advise you to go out onto YouTube and search through the Disney Animation Studios site. You can find this trailer and uh, enjoy and Get excited for this film. This is your Neverland story time. You can listen along with your MP3 device. You will know it is time to listen when you hear the chime like this. Let's begin now. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. The Galactic Republic was in turmoil. Trade routes were in dispute, and planets that had been at peace were suddenly on the brink of war. The Supreme Chancellor secretly sent two Jedi Knights, guardians of peace, to settle the conflict on the small planet Naboo. We, the members of the Jedi Council, have created this record of those terrible events. This recording device has captured the images and sounds of the struggle so that future generations will remember. This device has been pre-programmed. When you hear, go to the next section. The story began when the Greedy Trade Federation surrounded Naboo with warships. They wanted to force Queen Amidala to sign a treaty with them, but she refused. Two Jedi Knights... Qui-Gon Jinn and his young apprentice, Obi-Wan Kenobi, were sent to settle the dispute. Qui-Gon wasted no time in confronting the leaders of the Trade Federation on their battleship. Obi-Wan asked his teacher, How do you think this Trade Viceroy will deal with the Chancellor's demands? Qui-Gon shrugged. These Federation types are cowards. The negotiations will be short. 
But the Jedi did not suspect that the Trade Federation leaders were secretly scheming with the mysterious Darth Sidious. He was a Dark Lord of the Sith, a sworn enemy of the Jedi Knights. Sidious was furious that the Jedi had become involved. Kill them immediately. Without warning, the two Jedi were attacked by Trade Federation battle droids. But droids are no match for Jedi. Using their lightsabers, they slashed their way through the war machines, then slipped aboard Trade Federation ships bound for the planet Naboo. You were right about one thing, Master. The negotiations were short. The ships landed in a murky swamp, and the Jedi slipped out as massive troop carriers rumbled into the distance. Obi-Wan was stunned. It's an invasion army. We've got to warn the Naboo and contact Council of Alorum. Qui-Gon replied. But how? Even two Jedi Knights could not defeat an army. But the Force was with them, and help came from the strangest of places. A native of the planet named Jar Jar Binks. Jar Jar was a Gungan, a creature that lived in the Naboo swamp. He was hunting there when a huge warship suddenly roared over him. Diving in front of the ship, Qui-Gon pulled the tall, long-eared creature to safety. In his strange language, Jar Jar told Qui-Gon he was grateful. Oh, my moy, I love yours. Mr. Yus humble servant. That won't be necessary, replied Qui-Gon. Oh, but it is. It is demanded by the gods. According to the Gungan way, Jar Jar now owed Qui-Gon a debt for saving his life. He offered to lead the Jedi to the underwater city, Ota Gunga, where the other Gungans lived. Together, they plunged into the dark water and swam to the city of Otaganga. The Gungans were not pleased to see Jar Jar. He had been banished from their city. The leader of Otaganga agreed to give the Jedi a transport to the capital city of Naboo, but decided to execute Jar Jar for returning. The panic-stricken Jar Jar was saved by quick thinking on Qui-Gon's part. We need a navigator to get us through the planet's core. I saved his life. He owes me what you call a life debt. Jar Jar was happy to be saved from execution, but terrified of the dangerous core. Can't miss it out of this one. Better dead here than dead in the core. Qui-Gon told Jar Jar that the Force would guide them through any danger. But the Gungan wasn't convinced. Oh, Maxi big, the force. What in that smell stick with? The core was more terrible than even Jar Jar had imagined. Giant sea monsters lurked in the darkness. One monster attacked, then was eaten by an even bigger one. The Bongo was free. But they were safe only for a moment when suddenly the ship lost power. Obi-Wan rewired the little sub, but now the huge jaws of another giant creature were just meters away. Zooming forward, they finally reached the surface of Naboo. By now, 
The battle droids had captured the Palace of Theed where the Queen lived. The Viceroy of the Trade Federation demanded that she surrender her planet. I will not cooperate. Queen Amidala said defiantly. You are not going to like what we have in store for your people. The Viceroy warned. He ordered his battle droids to put the Queen and her handmaidens in prison. The two Jedi arrived at the palace just as the Queen and her loyal handmaidens were being escorted to the dungeons. Qui-Gon stepped forward. We are ambassadors for the Supreme Chancellor. Your Highness, under the circumstances, I suggest you come to Coruscant with us. The battle droids drew their weapons, but the Jedi were too fast for them. Igniting their lightsabers, they deflected blaster bolts, leaving droid parts scattered across the floor. The Jedi and the Queen's party raced to a starship and blasted away from the planet. They had escaped the battle droids. But in space, they were attacked by Trade Federation starfighters. The Queen's starship had no weapons. It was not a warship. The Jedi and their mission would have failed at that moment, if not for the help of several R2 droids. They rolled out onto the hull of the ship to repair the laser damage. Working unprotected, they were blasted away one by one until a single blue R2 remained. At the last minute, he repaired the shield generator and the ship launched to safety. As Qui-Gon and the others escaped, the evil Darth Sidious planned his next move. The Lord of the Sith wanted the Queen captured and the Jedi dead. He sent his apprentice, Darth Maul, to track them down and carry out his wishes. Darth Maul was eager for the hunt. At last we will reveal ourselves to the Jedi. At last we will have revenge. His master, Darth Sidious, grinned. You have been well-trained, my young apprentice. They will be no match for you. Qui-Gon had hoped to take Queen Amidala directly to the planet Coruscant, where the Republic Senate met. But the ship was damaged during the escape and was forced to land on the remote desert planet Tatooine. Qui-Gon, Jar Jar, R2-D2, and a handmaiden named Padme found their way to a junk shop owned by an alien named Watto. Watto had the part Qui-Gon needed to repair the ship, but refused to accept the Jedi's method of payment, Republic Credits. Republic Credits are no good out here. I need something more real. Qui-Gon had to find a way to pay for the part, and help came from an unexpected person, Watto's young human slave. Anakin Skywalker. Anakin was a friendly boy who was fascinated by everything the Outlanders told him. As Qui-Gon watched Anakin, he sensed that there was something very special about this boy. As Qui-Gon and the others left the junk shop, they were caught in a terrible sandstorm. While searching for shelter, they met Anakin again and he offered to take them to his home. There, he introduced them to his mother, Shmi. 
Anakin offered to help the Jedi win a bet with the junk dealer and the needed generator. Watto loved to bet on the dangerous pod races, and Anakin was an expert pod racer. He had even secretly built his own machine. You could enter my pod. You could make him think it was yours and get him to let me pilot it for you. The prize money would be more than enough to pay for the parts the Outlanders needed. Sensing that destiny had brought them together, Qui-Gon agreed. What Qui-Gon did not know was that Anakin had never won a pod race or even finished one. As Qui-Gon forged a deal with Watto, Darth Maul arrived on Tatooine. Using the evil powers of the Sith, he had tracked the Queen and the Jedi to the desert planet. Now he was eager to fight. Meanwhile, Qui-Gon convinced Watto to bet on the pod race. If we win, you keep all the winnings minus the cost of the parts I need. And if we lose, you keep my ship. Deal! Watto laughed. Then the Jedi raised the stakes. I'll wager my new racing pod against, say, the boy and his mother. Watto hesitated. Your pod is worth two slaves. Unable to convince him, Qui-Gon offered his pod for just the boy. Watto agreed. Qui-Gon sensed that Anakin was strong with the Force. Just before the race, he told the boy, Remember, concentrate on the moment. Feel. Don't think. Use your instincts. Then, Anakin was off. The pod's twin engine screaming as he tore down the track. Pod racing was hard enough by itself, but on Tatooine, everyone cheated. The racers slammed into one another. Using his instincts, Anakin avoided all the traps. But as he hurtled down the final stretch, Anakin's pod got hooked on the leading pod, and they roared toward the finish line together. At the last minute, his opponent's steering rod snapped, and his ship smashed into a wall. Anakin spun across the finish line, alone. After the race, Qui-Gon surprised Anakin. You're no longer a slave. Anakin was stunned. Then Qui-Gon made a fateful decision. He offered to take Anakin before the Jedi Council to ask if he could teach him the ways of the Jedi. Our meeting was not a coincidence. Anakin was thrilled until he learned he would have to leave his mother behind. I don't want things to change. Shmi comforted him. But you can't stop the change any more than you can stop the suns from setting. After one final hug, Anakin bravely turned away and left with the Jedi. With the parts they'd won, Qui-Gon was able to repair the Queen's ship. But as they hurried to the transport, they were attacked by Darth Maul. Anakin, drop! Go! Tell them to take off! As Anakin raced for the ship, the Jedi and the Sith fought. Their laser swords flashed through the air. They jumped and spun furiously, kicking clouds of dust. At the last moment, Qui-Gon leaped aboard the ship and they blasted to safety. The Jedi was exhausted. That was a surprise he wouldn't soon forget.
The Jedi, Anakin, the Queen, and her escorts flew to Coruscant. There, Qui-Gon told the Jedi Council about the mysterious warrior he'd fought. My only conclusion can be that it was a Sith Lord. Yoda, one of the Jedi Masters, was deeply concerned. If the Sith were involved, the Republic was in grave danger. Qui-Gon then asked the Jedi Masters to test Anakin. The Jedi Council agreed, but in the end, Anakin was rejected. One of the senior Jedi, Mace Windu, told Qui-Gon, No, he will not be trained. He is too old. But Qui-Gon knew that Anakin would become a Jedi. He secretly vowed to train the boy himself. Meanwhile, Queen Amidala and her advisors found no help on Coruscant. The Republic Senate was too bogged down in endless meetings to act quickly and save Naboo. Returning to Naboo with the Jedi, the Queen sought help from the Gungans, the species who shared her planet. Anakin expected the Queen to do the talking, but suddenly, Padme stepped forward. I am Queen Amidala. This is my decoy. Padme was actually the ruler of Naboo. The Gungans agreed to help and marched their trained army into battle. Blaster bolts filled the air as thousands of battle droids attacked. The Gungans were outnumbered. Luckily, the Gungan attack was a trick. The Jedi wanted to lure the battle droids away from the palace so they could sneak in and recapture the capital city. Unfortunately, Darth Maul wasn't fooled. He was waiting when the Jedi and the Queen arrived. Immediately, the two Jedi placed themselves between the Queen and the Sith Lord. Darth Maul attacked. It was two against one, but the Sith Lord held his ground. He was armed with his dual-sided lightsaber and terrifying skill. The lightsabers of the three warriors sent up a shower of sparks as they fought. As the battle raged around him, Anakin hid inside a nearby starfighter with the droid R2-D2. Then he accidentally pushed a button, and the ship launched into space. Oops, wrong one. It's on automatic pilot. Hang on! Anakin and R2 were being fired at from all directions. The starfighter darted through space, but was soon struck. Half out of control, the ship streaked right into a space battle, dodging laser fire and spinning around. R2 and Anakin hung on for their lives. The starfighter tore right into the docking bay of the Trade Federation droid control ship. Battle droids surrounded the ship. Frantically, Anakin pressed the firing button and scattered them with laser blasts. Then he launched two torpedoes that flew right past the droids. Whoa! But the force was with him. Anakin may have missed the droids, but the torpedoes flew straight into the ship's engine room. The cruiser started to explode. R2 and Anakin raced their starfighter out just as the huge ship vanished in a ball of fire. 
down on Naboo, the battle droids froze in place. With their command battleship destroyed, the Federation army could not function. The war for the planet was over. But the battle of the Jedi and the Sith raged on. Qui-Gon fought bravely, but Darth Maul was too strong for him. With a vicious stroke, the Sith Lord cut the Jedi down. A moment later, young Obi-Wan killed Darth Maul with a lightning blow, then rushed to Qui-Gon's side. Master! Obi-Wan, promise. Promise me you will train the boy. With those words, the great Jedi died. Although Qui-Gon had been lost, the battle had been won. The Trade Federation had been driven from Naboo, and the planet was safe. Anakin watched as the people of Naboo celebrated their freedom. He wished his mother could see how far he had already come, but he knew he could not return home yet. Obi-Wan agreed to teach him the ways of the Jedi, and soon his training would begin. Yet at the same time, the Jedi Council's worries grew. One Sith Lord had been defeated, but as the Jedi Yoda said, hmm. Always two there are, no more, no less, a master and an apprentice. Somewhere among the stars, there was another Sith Lord lurking in the galaxy, waiting for the chance to strike. The Jedi Order is no more. A handful of surviving Jedi still search planet to planet for Force-sensitive children to become the next generation of knights. These students are taken to one of several Jedi temples hidden across the galaxy to test their abilities. Sensitivity to the Force, but are you truly meant to be Jedi? Well, this is where we find out. 
and uh, I want to be a Jedi. I really do, but I've got a bad feeling about this. You always have a bad feeling, Nedris. I'm just saying maybe someone should stay back with the ship. What is the fastest way to the dark side of the Force, Nedris? Uh, okay, uh, Hate! Greed! Greed! And fear. God, that's what I was afraid of. Look, I'm just gonna go way back with the ship. Nedris! Do you want to be a Jedi or not? Of Hold my hand. So you have to be willing to discover your fears. Face them. And learn from them. I used to have nightmares about Darth Maul just hearing the legends of Nedris, fear is natural. To be perfectly honest, I'm a little scared myself about what we may find today, but how we face that fear. Last time you nearly cut off your nose. But well, that was one time. And not just your nose. Yeah. <laughs> I said I was sorry about that. Nedris, I need you at your best today. We all need to rise to our best. We work as a team or we fail. Don't let me down. Have I ever let you down? Actually, there and was other a... than the time on the asteroid. What was that other time? And, and the time with the do back yes. I'll never forget. But I am not going to let you down today. We are all in this together, right? You know what? I actually think you're right. I'm right? Yes, if we do run into trouble, we need to be able to defend ourselves. Or run away. Apprentices, bring up the lightsabers. Uh, okay, now that is a step in the right direction. <laughs> the training you're about to receive today may very well save your life once we enter the temple. So, when you use your lightsaber, eh, you must clear your mind of fear and anger. Now I can tell we're all focused, which means we're truly prepared. So let's do this. Now, there are three very important rules you must know before you accept the trials of the temple. Rule number one, please remember your training positions. Everyone, look down. Blue circles you should be standing on, that is your training position. Remain on that circle all times. Rule number two, be mindful of your lightsaber at all times. Use the force to make sure you don't hit anyone around you. And rule number three, and this is very important, and pertains to everybody with me. No jumping or falling off the upper level. If you do, it could mean Disaster. And by disaster, I mean not a good thing for us all. And by not a good thing for us all, I mean very, very terrible, horrific things. But I digress. Let's concentrate. Oh, thank you, Jax. A lightsaber. And you see a lightsaber with those. What's that? Oh, I know what you're saying. A lightsaber. This could learn to be your friend in need. Stay with it. Watch it, learn from it, or learn with it. It's your choice. I digress. <clears throat> Back to the lesson. Students, if you ever need to engage in combat, I'm going to show you the best moves you need to know to defend yourselves. You'll first be cutting your opponent's left shoulder, then you'll cut your opponent's right shoulder. Hey, wait, wait. What if your opponent has more than two shoulders? Or no shoulders at all? Remember that giant eel on her It would be wise <laughs> to stay focused. Nedris, you've had this training. Most of your students have it. Your remaining targets be a block, duck, and finally a cut to the head. Now, students, watch me carefully. Pay attention, this is very important. When I say ready position, you're going to raise your lightsaber like this. Let's all try it together now. Ready position! Good. Saber's down. 
Excellent job. Medrish, you will lead the group in the lower level. I will take the group in the upper level. This time, those of you in the lower level, turn and face Nedris. She's right here with her hand in the air. Good. Face her. She'll be leading you in the combination. Watch the snowbear carefully. She's very strong in the force and may someday become a very powerful Jedi. Do as we do. All together now. Everyone face front towards Nedris. And ready position. Now cut your opponent's left shoulder. Bring it up around the head. Cut your opponent's right shoulder. Good. Same as down. Excellent job. For over a thousand generations, the Jedi Knights are the guardians of peace and justice. Well, it's our turn now. Everyone face front towards Nedris. And ready for this year. Cut to the left shoulder. Cut to the right shoulder. Now block like this. Good. Save us down. Well done. Looks like we're all at the hang of this. We might be ready to meet the trials yet. I think maybe I am ready. Well, that's good. I mean, I've been ready to the past, right? Well, then with the time, I stood in front of a whole herd of stampeding bandits. Another really important part of being a Jedi? Yeah. Wisdom. Oh, but it was so cool. They were coming at me like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I was like, no. Try it with me. No. No. That's the Jin said. Your focus determines your reality. Everyone face front towards Medris. And ready position. Cut to the left shoulder. The right shoulder. Now block. Now we're going to duck. Stand. And cut to the head. Good, Sabres down. Well done, everyone. Excellent job, young man. Good job, but next time, you might want to try and aim a little higher. There's a good chance. Whatever comes out of that temple might be a little taller than you. <laughs> Unless you're scared of Ewoks. <laughs> you're not scared of Ewoks, are you? Well, actually, I am a little bit. No, this time, yeah. walk the entire combination together. Edris, you lead them. Me? Oh, you're ready. I'll try. In the words of Master Yoda, do or do not. There is no time. Thank you, Master. Okay, if you're all ready, say yes! Now, remind all your lightsabers at all times. Do not hit anyone around you. And face forward. Ready position. Cut to the left shoulder. Cut to the right shoulder. Block. Duck. Stand and finally cut to the head. Very well done, students. down to the end Excellent job, students. Well done. Pedris. There you go. You know what? I think we're ready. Now there's a Jedi temple hidden here that's supposed to be filled with mysteries. It could be dangerous. I don't know what we'll find. These will be trials unique to every Jedi. What I do is this. We almost summon our strength and courage to face whatever may be in there. But the first trial will be to reveal the temple. Okay, stand back, stand back. Leave this to me. Okay. Nope. Okay, I'm going to try again. I get another one. I get another one. It doesn't count. I get one more. That was a practice one. Second chance. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. Yes, I think Apprentice Nedris is definitely going to need our help. Everyone, calm your minds. Reach out with your feelings. Feel the force flowing through you. Good. I need all of you to close your eyes. It's okay. Trust in the force. Close your eyes. Good. Now, try to picture the temple and raise your head. Raise your hands to lift it up. Everyone, concentrate. That's it. That's it. Focus. That's it. Concentrate. Yes. Good. Use both hands if you have to. We're going to need more help. All of you, the force is strong with you as well. Reach out with your feelings. Raise the temple. That's it, sir. Everyone, you're doing it up there. Good job. Reach out with your feelings. Feel the force flowing through you. All the way. 
great technique, Saber Town. Right this way, young one. Come with me. Stand right here. Now, right position. You and I are going to have a talk. Cut to the left shoulder. Hit your saber. Yeah, right shoulder. Now block. And duck. Stand up to the head. Hit her saber. Yes. Excellent hey, work, Saber Town. Step forward. Stand here. Excellent. Ready position. The force is strong. This one. Indeed. Cut up top to the left shoulder. Right shoulder. Now block. Duck. And strike to the head. Good job. Take it down. This way. Hello, young man. Step forward. Stand here. Excellent. Gone. Ready position. You will find even greater power if you turn to the dark side. Cut up top to the left shoulder first. Left side. Right side. Now block. Duck. Stand and strike to the head. Take us down this way. Step forward. Right here, young one. Perfect. Now, ready. Position. If you're good, maybe some of your friends will survive. You're going to be great. Touch the left shoulder. Right shoulder. Now walk. Duck. Stand. Cut the head. Yes. Great job. See, we're down. Right this way, young one. Come with me. All right. Stand right here. Excellent. Head. Ready. Position. Why do you compel me to inflict pain? Cut to the left shoulder. Right shoulder. Now block. Block. Now duck. Duck. Stand. Cut to the head. Yes. There we go. You did it. All right. I'm going to step forward. I need you to stand here. Go. I notice you seem to be half the size of Beta, but I sense you're twice as strong. Ready position. Cut up top to the left over here. Left side. Right side. Now block. Duck. Stand. Strike to his head. Yes. Great kid. Don't get cocky. This is only one battle. The struggle goes on eternally. Stay focused. Interesting. This way. Fear not. We can do this together. Concentrate. Stand here. And ready for this year. Fear not. We wish to make progress. Cut up top. Left shoulder first. Right side. Hit a light tape. Now block like this. Now duck. Stand and strike to the head. Good strike. Same as down. Back this way. Stick here, my friend. Now, ready. Position. Meet at last. Cut to the left shoulder. Right shoulder. Block. If only you had the power to protect your friend. If only you had the power to... Ready position, left shoulder, right shoulder, block, duck, stand, strike to the head. Yes! Well done, save us down. Hello, are you ready? Stand right here, Perfect. Now, ready position. Join me. It is the only way. Never! Cut to the left shoulder, right shoulder. Now, block, block, and duck. Like this way, 
Excellent. Now, ready for position. You will find even greater power in return to the dark side. I don't think so. Touch your left shoulder. Right shoulder. Yes, now block. Go. Great. Stand and touch the head. Right there. Get it right there. Yeah. There we go. You did it. Two hands on your lightsaber at all times. Ready position. We have looked so forward to meeting you. Don't listen to her. Cut to the left shoulder first. Come to the right shoulder, hit it. That's good, now block. Duck, and strike to the head. Good, same as down, you get it. This way, all right, now ready to focus. Stand here. Good, ready for this year. The Jedi of old are dead. I don't think so. Now duck, that shoulder. Now the right shoulder, now block. Duck, stand and strike to the head. Yes, that was good. Oh, double strike, fancy. Did you see that? I did you see what they did with the other guys? I did too. I was standing here watching the whole thing. Wait. Something's wrong. They're still here. Maybe it's my turn to fight. No! How could I have missed it? We can't truly defeat them until we defeat our own fears. We must face our enemies with no weapons. What? Vader and the Inquisitor, our own fears come to life. Look, they know it. They did the look to each other. The only way to defeat them is if we calm ourselves, Nebris, and release them. Students, calm your minds and lay down your sabers. Yes! Now concentrate, use the force to push the Inquisitor back. Good. Stay focused. Now it's time to conquer your fear and release it. Repeat after me. We are not afraid!
is nothing in the temple. But what do you take with you? for listening to the Neverland Podcast. We invite you back next week for more fun and adventure. Until then, remember to keep a pixie in your pocket. It's that young at heart, positive attitude that you can share with others. And remember to visit our website at NeverlandPodcast.com. There you can find links to our news page, our shop, our contact page, where you can easily send an email to podcast at NeverlandPodcast.com. You can also find our Neverlanders page, where you can find out how to become an official Lost Boy or Pixie, because girls are too clever to get lost. Become a real Neverlander! Please feel free to leave us a voicemail at 816-226-6492. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at NeverlandPCast. And like our Neverland Podcast fan page on Facebook. We also have a group on Facebook for you to join. We also appreciate your support to keep the Neverland Podcast up and running. Visit patreon.com slash neverlandpodcast to donate to keeping the pixie dust alive. Copyright content featured on the Neverland Podcast is copyright of their respective creators and used under fair use license. All original content is copyright of Blue Band Productions and a very special thanks to Yeehaw Bob Jackson at yeehawbob.com for our new ending music. God bless! Yeah!
is Yeehaw Bob Jackson. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, it's true. Neverland Podcast, we love you.